Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locks, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor, and today we're reviewing the MVP Open. Time is finally. We're we... previewing and reviewing and looking forward and looking back. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. Why do they call it like? I no, never mind. Before we get into today's show, I want to take a moment <laughs> to thank the sponsor, us, FoundationDisc.com. Uh, the us. vintage collection. I mainly just want to tell you the vintage collection is dropping this weekend. It is. People Heck have been yeah. asking. I better get my wallet out. People have been asking for the old school hat, hoodies, all that to come back. We brought all that back and more um, using the vintage logo. Uh, so pretty excited for that. That's going to be dropping this weekend. The Athena also should come out this week. I believe we're getting our stock in here in a day or two. Um, and nice. we added a recently restocked collection to the front page. So you always know exactly what's getting added to the site each and every day. So. If you're bored, you can just go check that out. Foundationdisc.com. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to our email newsletter, you can do that over there as well. And you'll be the first to get an email as soon as all this stuff happens. So I uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to that before we got into the actual nitty gritty of MVP. But now it's time to do that. What's uh, the nitty gritty about it? Well, let's talk about the course. Give huh? me the nit and then give me the grit. And have y'all seen the changes they made to the courses? No, no. sir. Oh, it's crazy. No, it's, there's no change. As far as I know, there's not a change. I was, I was, I was say, I looked, I I looked I at it today. I haven't heard of any changes. Uh, I think last at GMC, I said I hadn't heard of any changes, and there was like one small change, like whole thirteen. I literally or something like that. I literally looked at it. and I was courses like, like courses like this, like why would you change? Why it? fix yeah. it if it ain't broke? Like I could see them moving some T pads or something to where, like from the fan perspective, we don't really notice it being changed. They've made changes in the past to the course to make it better. Um, it's one of the courses that actually does function correctly. But yeah, it's just it's an iconic <laughs> course at this point, and uh, is there, very excited for them to be there. Is there any OB on this course? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where? Uh, yeah, like that's what the one. only thing that they would change would be like <laughs> OB one, lines, right? The rock wall that's on like some of those wooded holes, where it's like that mm-hmm. whole right side on like yeah, two or yeah, three yeah, of the yeah, holes. Yeah, that's right. Rock wall and beyond eighteen. There's a decent bit of OB on eighteen. Fourteens uh, over the water, throwing that hyzer. Yeah, the water. There's a couple water carries. Yeah, two. I would always three? expect two, like two, just two. I would almost three, expect just like there to oh, be yeah. changes to OB for like every tournament. Yeah, but but with this course, how it's laid out is most of the OBs like naturally it, defined. Yeah, they also have that forehand over the water. Uh-huh. That uh oh, there's a lot of water because they have the forehand over. Then they have that downhill tunnel shot that's looking at the water. Yeah, there's a lot I've, of water. I've got a proposal here. Propose me. So I do small, smaller field than normal. Yes. However, still a good bit of people, but there's also four rounds of golf being played. So there's going to be a lot. Yes. Of so hole eight is going to be played. Um, there's 76 MPO players. Hole eight is going to be played like close to 300 times. Well, with the cut, a little less than that, maybe 250. Are we sure there's a cut? I'm I'm only saying that be, because there was in the last. Event. I would be surprised if there wasn't. But anyways, so it's going to be played a lot of times. I think we should make a points bet um, related to will there be an ace on hole eight during the whole tournament? Anybody doesn't have to be on camera. Anything, uh, yes. For MP, just be. just for we'll say just for MP. There will definitely be an ace on hole eight. Connor, what do you think? I'm just want to gauge where everybody's at with that. Thought. I think that, I think there will definitely be. I mean, it makes sense to me that there would be an ace on hole eight, but I also don't want to just give you points. All right, so Connor's not going to make a bet. I'll drop it. Connor, last time you did this, man, the comment section really came after. Well, you. what would your bet be? For the, bet the ace w- or against the ace? Well, if you said four, I would say against. Connor, there's going to be an ace. Might be. How many was there last year? Two. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Smaller field. Smaller field, though. Yeah, there's but only- more talented field. Mm, no, same amount of talent. No, no, the field's gotten better. 
And as we cut the fat, all right, we sell the top it by a little bit. I'll play whatever. I'll play in your little game, Trevor. I don't. If you want to win, let's you win. can win. No. All right. Well, I don't want to make the bet. Then. All right. Here, here, like, here's what I'll I'm bet. I'm not gonna make. I'll bet thirty points to no one. There's an ace. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, well, we can do. Not crazy. We can do. <laughs> down to hundred points. <laughs> we can do like. How many points are you back for me? Six. We can make it a small bet. Like it doesn't have to be like we we'll don't need do to like, make. We'll just do like five points. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you're okay. on. Five, I'll say five points. There's no aces, and you say, I five, say five and just points, the MPO field. Just MPO. Just, just MPO. MPO. Just MPO. All right, Connor, easy five. Maybe. Congratulations. There's definitely gonna be an ace. There's very likely not going to be an ace. Yeah, I mean, I would strongly disagree. There was only two last year. Yeah, and we didn't cut the field in half. So that means at least one. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't help it. There's it only help. three rounds last year. Was there? No. No idea. God. I said it confidently. <laughs> I think there was. Let me go. Someone who played last year. Because if there's only three rounds and they're going to play it about the exact same I round mean, times. I will. Listen, I. They did make Hole 8 harder two years ago. And I'm sure it's still at that same difficulty. Well, yeah, there's only three rounds last year. Well, here's what, I'll, here's what I'll say. I realize I'm on the worst side of this bet. But. I'm just trying to spice it up and get No, points. I get it. I get it. You're just going to be down. So Trevor is effectively down 11 now. Let's just keep that in mind Not going into this weekend. Uh, for, all, for all intents and purposes. We'll see. Uh, this is one of the classic courses on tour. I'm very excited for this event. I think it fits well into the playoff event just because of the prestige around it. But Brody brought up a good point about the courses and playoff events in general. You start the season off much more open style golf. Mm-hmm. So a lot of players earn their living, earn their points out there, right? And then as it comes to East Coast, you get more and more wooded. And oh. now you're essentially at like the most wooded stretch of the tour, if you want to call it that. Like yeah. Northwoods, obviously, like there's some courses that are way more wooded than what we just played at GMC and what we're about to play at MVP. MVP. But he was saying, he said that him and Ezra were talking about it. That was a good point. The playoff events fit a certain style of play that you haven't seen a lot on the tour. So do you think that the playoff events going forward should cater to premier events like they are right now like GMC and MVP where the event already has prestige mm-hmm. and they're just adding to it or should they try to be more balanced more indicative of the whole tour so that a player who is better in the open and had really good finishes there mm. yeah right now doesn't get cut I would say two things number one I think that being an open golf player like a guy who's just better in the open means you're not as good as at disc golf. I would agree. So, because you are just not as accurate. So you play better in the open field because you throw really far probably and you're not as accurate. And you might putt good, but... <laughs> disc golf, there's not like, it's not like one part of your, like accuracy is the most important part of disc golf. So like if you're not accurate and you can't play in the woods, you're just not as good as disc golf. But then why does woods players not always translate to the open? They don't throw as far. That's it? I'm... I, I think that's a very big part of it. I'd agree with most. That's of why. Them, that's but why. There's got to be people that throw like think very about far think about Drew Gibson. Like think about how dominant he was at Vegas because he's taking those par fours and he's chewing them up because they're wide open bomb hyzers. Like that. It's 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 courses like that. Um, it's why like you take Eagle out to like Portland Open last year and he's gonna kill you because he's gonna throw rollers and huge bombs everywhere and and that's like that's a better part of his game than his Woods game because the touch and the accuracy. Um, now, what I will also say is that the playoffs, um, I can't believe we've never gotten to be able to make that take before, <laughs> but like how we've been doing this for so long. Um, but I will say the playoffs are not consequential enough at this point to no. even care because they're 
I care about the event and I think it's cool that there's like a playoff thing going on, but I don't really, it doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters right now is just the jockeying for the top 30 and the play-ins, but that Here's doesn't, what, that doesn't really, it, it, there's not really a huge playoff feel to these events. They're just big events because they're popular. Here's the thing. It's like, I don't want to say I don't like it because it's not super affecting this year, but it, it could in the future years. Um, the only thing that could affect this year is like Eagle. Eagle has won an event, but he's outside the cup for the play-in event. Hmm. But therefore, he's in the play-in event if he wants to show up. Yeah. So when we're looking at these cuts, we have to like keep that in mind. I believe Eagle's the only one that's true of right now. Yeah. But if someone like Tristan Tanner goes off and wins MVP, he's probably close enough that he could actually get in. But it's, you see what I'm saying? Someone yeah. could go off and win MVP, be outside the top 36 cut, but be bumping people out. To me... This is just my personal take. If we're going with this playing event, cut at 36, mm-hmm. and you're able to win an event and still suck bad enough to be outside the top 36, you don't belong in the, pl- in the playoffs, personally. Uh, if you're able to... You, oh, so you're saying... Like, if you- I'm someone... Like, if Luke Humphreys would have won Waco, okay, mm-hmm. so he gets an additional probably like 15, 20 points. Yeah. Okay? He still... If he got 20 points, he'd be in. But he could still be outside the top 36. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. If you have that bad of the rest of the season, oh, because a win guarantees it. A win, a win guarantees you in the play-in event. Basically, this play-in event is for people who have wins that haven't made the event, or you're in the top thirty-six. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't really like it because winning on the pro tour is really hard. Yeah, I agree. Winning's very hard, but and if it, and you it didn't happen, if on at you know eagle. Right, but, but Eagle, he didn't play. If he would played more, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it didn't. Your scenario didn't happen, it, but it almost did, and it could very easily. Yeah, but yeah, but it, it could have happened like once, maybe. But twice. I'm just saying, like, like if I, I if someone wins one, and then well, did it's, Isaac? It's where's like, Isaac Robinson? It's He's like when a, it's like when a guy wins a major in golf, and you get exemption to get back into that major, and it's back into the same event. I don't mind. Like USDGC, I don't mind the top ten from last year. That makes sense and to why me is because this, you're coming back to the same. This event. is a less important event, the Tour Championship. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Well, it always will be as long as it is a As long bracket. as it's a stupid format, yes. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't love the format, but like I was saying, as long as it... Until they make it a round of golf or four rounds of golf... In, or in theory, this, the Tour Championship, should be the most important event of the year. That's why my opinion is the Tour Championship should become the World Championship and it should go to the Stroke Advantage format. That's my yeah, opinion on the whole thing. Cool. But that's what I'm saying is like... Because this is based on your entire year's performance. Yeah. No, I've always said that. And like, if you have a win... And then you have a bunch of like 70th places yeah. and everyone beats you by like 10 strokes on average, but you were yeah. just really good at your home course or something. I don't think that should get you in. Well, the, I, it doesn't matter I, this I, year. I have always said that the hardest thing to do is to come first in the pro tour standings at the end of the year. And it's the lowest reward. Yeah. <laughs> like cause it, people don't, people just like last year who won pro tour standings? Probably Rick. But I don't I know. I think it was Rick. But who won the pro tour championship? Nathan Queen. That one's easy one to remember. Last seed. Yeah. I want to say one more thing about... Ricky did win last year. One thing that open golf players, I do want to say that they can do really well, that is a is a skill. I think there is a skill to being able to hit lines when there is no forced line. Like in the woods, I'm much better in the woods because I know what I have to throw. The, the, the woods gives me the gap for me a lot of times. It tells me what I need to throw. In the open, you have to learn how to pick spots and hit them without having a forced line a lot of times. So I will say there is a skill to that, but I, I stand by the point. If you're not good in the woods, it means you're not good enough, as good at disc golf as the guys that are good in the woods. 
I think it's a fair point. I think it's fair. Like, I think you could be. I think some people argue it, but I think it's an overall fair statement. You just have to get. What I'm saying, Mosley, is you just have to get better at disc golf because disc golf is just hitting lines with accuracy and power. It's not like some trick to the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, so I don't know though because they, if you're a flat to Anheuser thrower, I feel like you're going to be better in the open than the woods. I feel like Heiser flip players are more are better in the woods. Learn how to like. I, that's once again though, that's a skill. But like, I like. I'm a Heiser flip player. You're a flat to turnover player. I would argue. I wouldn't argue I'm a better disc golfer. But I would. I, I would argue that Paul is a better player throwing flat to turnover than he is Heiser flip, and he still can dominate. I disagree. The woods. He he taught. He's. I the mean, person the, who the like man had, designed an entire course here where all he has to throw is flat backhands because he knows he's amazing at it. Yeah, but he he. <laughs> How are you gonna argue with that? Because the point why he throws so many flat is because that's the shot that he struggled with the most because his natural release is Heiser. He by nature naturally throws Heisers. Well, anyways, the, I I don't think that... I only know that because I t- asked him years ago. I'm like, dude, I suck at throwing flat. He goes, I do too. You have to just, in my head, when I throw flat, I just think I'm like over-exaggerating like Ken Climo, and that's how I throw flat. He said, naturally, I just throw everything on highs. He seems like the best flat thrower in the game. Well, he probably made worked on well, his he also enough, Well, he also, whenever he went to Discraft, he started, he had to really work on throwing flat because the buzzes. He He's, throws, but he does throw on slight highs. He said in an interview that he, the thing with the buzz was that he had to learn how to throw it flat because he wasn't used to doing that with his rocks. Yeah, I think he's a, I think by nature he's a hyzer thrower. Actually, I know by because he well, said. I it. think everybody by nature is a hyzer thrower. Not everyone. Not who by nature is not a hyzer thrower. When you learn to throw disc golf, the hardest thing to learn is to throw the disc flat. No, but there's some people that just learn to throw flat, like as they get better and better and better. You, I don't think, are a hyzer thrower by nature. The disc it comes you out disc, of my hand on hyzer. Just because it just because it's a flat, that means that it's coming out like this and flipping up. But that's how Paul throws flat. I'm, but I'm just saying, like that's a flat. The whole throw. essence of like throwing flat is not really. I don't know. It's a weird word. I don't know. We're getting away. From I would. The point. I would. Away from the point. Yeah, I would agree that in the woods, a hyzer flip shot is. But that's what I'm saying. Is I don't think that's someone who's necessarily good. better at disc golf. Yeah, someone who can throw hyzer flips. And I think they're better in the woods. If that makes that's I, that was my whole point when I started. Ha- yeah, but I mean, if you if you're good enough, then you should be able to throw both shots with, like. Well, yeah, but throwing hyzer flip, hi- throwing a hi- throwing a hyzer flip is a shot shape that's helpful in the woods. But throwing Correct. a hyzer flip doesn't because help if you throw it right the thing, into the trees. The thing about throwing, so still accuracy is the number one accuracy important is important. Part but I'm saying a, a flat to Anheuser player is going to be better in the open. Who would you say is a flat to Anheuser player on tour right now? <laughs> on tour, I, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that's a Nico, thing. Nico, he's not on yeah. tour currently. Yeah, so that, Nico there's is, one, but uh, I can't really think of any others. Matteo, I feel like throws a lot of flat. Matteo throws a lot of hyzer flips though. Like I, I don't think flips. I don't think there's well, somebody everyone throws a lot of hyzer flips because that's like that's the what I'm saying. So like shot. I think I don't think I don't think the I don't think like a flat thrower is really like a thing. Uh, I mean, I I choose to throw them a lot, but like on tour, I think that most of the guys live and die with the hyzer flip. So I think that is the standard. Okay. Anyway, so this is a decision maker that separates who's making the tour championship. Um, hopefully, that's covered during coverage. Hopefully, like hopefully they're constantly updating that cut line. It better. Be I don't now. expect it to. It better be now because now it's the legit last chance. So I expect like, it to be like mentioned maybe once or twice. That, that, I, surely, I would love to see. Surely it'll be more than that. I would love to see like them cut to a putt even in round one, and be like, "This putt will take." I'm gonna pick someone who's just outside the, the bubble right now, right? 
This putt will take Gavin Babcock to six under on the round and project him to finish in 30, I, 33rd, which the, puts him inside the cut. The, I would love to hear that. Yeah, the, I don't think I'm going to hear that. At the very least, like even if you can't do it live, at the very least, after each round, it would be very I would definitely, I think that's what will happen. Is I think after the round, they'll be like, all right, as of right, if the tournament ended today, this is where that, and that the line would be, will be. That would be something That's good. fine. I would just really like to, I would like to see it be the, the storyline of the event. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like who wins this event? Unless it's someone who is like a on the bubble player, or it's someone who's like coming from the yeah. playing event into the actual event, like one of those, who wins it isn't a huge well, deal. It's just a little bit odd when you add a playoff theme to an event when like that's probably not going to be super relevant. Like it, it really should be more. It really should be more relevant who wins MVP Open because it's just a historic tournament, but it it might turn into more of like a who's sneaking into the top 30 to get into the tour championship situation. But I'm saying as a playoff event, I, I, I'm okay with that being the storyline is like focusing on that cut line. Cause that's going to be more exciting at this tournament. Like it's gonna be exciting uh, to see who wins. I, well, yeah, of I no, I disagree with that. I don't, I could care less who sneaks into the top 30 versus who wins. No, like who wins is going to be exciting, but the story of this event is the, the cut for the tour championship. That's the whole point of the playoff. Well, if not, then why are we doing any cuts at all? Why are, we, why are we even having a playoff event? Well, it's not it's not a cut. It's a points situation. So, like, What does the points do if you're outside of a certain point level? Yes, but it it's you. not like... All right. Is anyway, that not true? I'm just saying, I'm just saying like the... I think... Like that's the cut. You have to be in the top 36 unless you have a win. Right. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But like at the end of the day, that'll be... That will all be decided more than likely with like an hour to go left in the event. Like the the, the storyline of the event is still gonna be who wins. Like I'm I'm not gonna care nearly. Like the tour championship is great and all, but like the guys that are coming in the play and whatever, like I'm whatever. Like I I'll see the field when I see it, but I'm gonna be much more concerned with who's winning the tournament. It's like one of the biggest pro tours of the year. Yeah, but but yeah, but I'm just saying if we're calling like the point of the playoffs is this to the tour championship. I think is that I don't what I just said wrong. Yeah, I just don't like. I, to me, the playoff situation just doesn't have much weight because so then we shouldn't have playoffs. Be, it doesn't have much weight because I know that all the players that are truly the really good ones are already in. So what? It, so like, that's where it I would think, be different. If like that's why the tour championship in golf. That's why they play an actual event with a stroke head start because now whoever wins wins the whole thing. That's how playoffs. Well, that's what work. I. That's what I personally <laughs> think. That's where I think if it was. Because it would it would matter a lot more if because right now if Paul Macbeth, who's in second, wins, Ricky comes in tenth. Ricky might drop from first down to seventh. What does that do? Nothing. He still has a bye to the semifinals. So there's basically not like Ricky could not show up, and he's not going to drop yeah, out of the top. There's five. just not the best players in the world don't really have stakes for this event other exactly. than, other than winning. So. But if it was a stroke head start, right? Then Ricky drops from first to fifth because he p- plays bad at MVP. Now, instead yeah. of being up one going into the tour championship, he could be down three. Yeah. No, and that's that, a huge difference. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they just have to add, they have to add more advantage to these place shufflings because like on the PGA Tour, like you're saying, like if they do that stroke head start thing, A, that last event, just like the tour championship in disc golf, they're playing for the most money they're going to play for all season. So yes. they've got that part down, but you're just not handing out a big enough advantage. Like I still personally think... The buy to the semifinals is equal to a disadvantage. It's just so like it's has, just so hard to. When's win the that. last time someone won with a buy to the semifinals? 
I mean, has someone? Dickerson. Pr- probably, I don't think Dickerson had a bye yet. I think I, I, he had a bye, but I don't think he, he was in the it, semifinals. He won it twice. And you're saying one of those years you didn't have I don't know, because he wasn't touring back then. That's true. So how many points did he have That's back true. then? I don't know. I, I don't know that statement. But I'm just saying what ends up happening, it seems like to me, they fixed it somewhat because previously the players couldn't even practice the course. Yeah. But, but guys get hot. Guys get hot. And, and the they get is, tournament hot. Yeah, the problem is no matter who comes out of the early rounds, they are guaranteed to have momentum because they have just won, what, two in a row? Yeah. Get there, potentially three if they were in the play-in. So, like, they're no matter what, somebody's going to come out of there and they're going to be red hot. And now you're going to have to go in tournament cold and try and beat them when they've when they've just played that course in a tournament setting three times potentially and they're ready to kick your butt. Like, yeah. That that is very that is does not seem like it, yeah technically in its advantage because you do get money going for that buy and also but, you only have to beat them once again to the finals right but but they're red hot and like momentum wise it's once, not shocking that someone yeah. like Nathan Queen can do it and once they get to you they're not thinking oh I already had to play two events it's level playing field it's me versus you eighteen holes like that yeah it, it is it's very that that part of the event is it silly creates to me. an exciting event by all means it's exciting yeah but I don't like it for. The tour championship because like Ricky just, works his tail off or Paul whoever comes out on top as number one after MVP they work their tail off all year and then all they get is like they get an award for being the tour champ like the tour points winner yeah. but then it's like you don't really get anything I you I'm, get the same advantage as the guy I who also, came in eighth that you're up by three hundred as we talk off. about this I do realize that we are on a sinking ship because there's they are the pro tours obsessed with the bracket thing. And I think a lot of disc golf is, so we'll never win this one. That's fine, but I'll still call it stupid every year. Yeah, we're, well, because we're gonna we're gonna die on best, this hill. Here's my best argument: Ricky Wysocki has 968 points, Matteo has 650 points, and you're giving them the same quote unquote advantage. Yeah, if you even want to call it that. Yeah, Matteo has zero wins. Ricky Rick has, has absolutely <laughs> bullied Matteo this season, points wise. Regardless of how they've been recently, points-wise, Ricky has bullied Matteo. He's got four and they more have wins. The, and they have the same advantage, technically. Yeah, it's just not good enough. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ricky should go into this final event, be playing a normal tournament, and have like a three- or four-stroke head start on Matteo. And what's crazy is, the crazy thing is, too, like, um, think about the lead he has over a guy that is going to get to the semis with him, level playing field once he gets there, and is red hot. And how many more points Ricky got than that guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I understand there is an advantage to having a head start, but yeah. just because you've got one less chance to mess up or two less chances to mess, but like by time it gets to you, by time you step foot on the first tee, there is no advantage. Whereas if you had a, if we did a stroke head start system, going into the first tee, you have your earned advantage, and you can still lose. Absolutely, we just I, saw we it. just saw it. Roy McIlroy, uh, Roy McIlroy, yeah. But you have an advantage, and you've earned that a very direct correlation. Well, this is the thing: it disc golf being different than golf is great in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that make sense. Hey, let's not do what golf did. Makes more sense. Cor- the courses we play, the way we need to structure events. There's a lot of things, but there's also a lot of things. It's like, hey, you know what? Golf's been doing this for a long freaking well, time, but all, the and stroke, they got certain things figured out. The stroke out. head start thing—they literally just implemented a few. Well, That's what I'm saying. Years, but they've went through all of these different things. They've yeah. made mistakes. They figured it out, and they've ironed out to get a really good format. They yeah. all we have to do is go. That was entertaining. Let's do it. Yeah, they they wanted to make pretty they, simple. They made a format where your finishing place in the standings is incredibly important because a stroke or two in golf is huge. 
And then they also changed it to where, because in their situation, it used to be whoever had the most points at the end won. So like a guy, well, who, a guy who came in third at the last event could win, but they wanted to make sure that the guy who wins the event won the whole what thing. What that also does is MVP, which obviously we're, about, we're talking through, um, it adds playoff events now mean a little bit more because it's more chance to earn points. It's your last chance to earn points. And yeah. the storyline actually matters. Because yeah. what I was saying is the storyline of the playoff event should be who's getting into the tour championship. But because that's so far down the list and it doesn't really affect even like, like it could affect like Kevin Jones could jump into the bye for the semifinals or something like that. But beyond Kevin Jones, I mean, Chris Clemens is 60 points out. Kyle Klein's almost 100 points out. Yeah, probably uh, not. So it's, it's, there's a few jumps that can happen within it, but more or less, like Trevor said, you're going to know where people stand where within their bracket with like an hour left in the final round. Maybe even before that. Yeah. So that is a solid point where like what should be the story of a playoff event, which is the jockeying for position of the overall points, turns into this is just another event and then we'll just kind of see where we're at after. Yeah. And it takes like then what's the point in the playoff? That just that we cut it to 72 and then had day, think, mo- Monday qualifying so that for some reason more people can get in? I think and I, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, don't even start on that. Like let's have a playoff event that's so exclusive, but then let's have qualifying for it for like guys that haven't played all season. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. No. Um, I think that, and I hope that the Pro Tour is just easing into this situation, like testing waters, because that's typically what they do with changes. And I, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the players. You know, that's whose feedback is going to matter. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine many players like the qualifying situation. No, it doesn't. Well, the players that got in do. Well, yeah. But uh, last year we saw Adam Hammers and Katrina Allen take down the MVP Open. Um, it seems to be a tournament that though that like, how funny is it to add qualifying to a tournament that already has qualifying? Like the qualifying was you play on the pro tour. Yeah, the and qualifying qualify. is get like, good son. Let's add another qualifying <laughs> to the other qualifying. Yeah. It's like, ah, but you know, you're outside the top 72, but you live an hour it's, from the course. You it, still want to play? And I, I like the no, USDGC. You can play the B tier that happens there next weekend. USDGC qualifying. Like I get that one a little bit because that is not a cumulative points qualifying system. It's a, you have to finish really high at a certain event. And I don't mind it because it, it is like supposed to be a U.S. Open. And that's kind of the theme of like open events. And I don't mind it because Innova hand picks the qualifier events. So you could have a top three, for example, at DDO, a huge event, and not get a qualifying spot just mm-hmm. because they didn't pick that one. So I don't mind qualifying for that event before anybody points that out. This one is different because it's cumulative points. So you had a very fair ch- chance to earn it throughout the year incredibly fair the most fair and then they were like let's add another qualifying system yeah uh, as we look at this event one thing i found very interesting is you disc has this win probability which yeah there has been for the most part pretty accurate they're, they're memeing with the win probability um, this but time. when percentage wise matty o has the highest percentage chance to win mvp open there here's what i'll say mvp open statistically previously has had several random winners have snuck in I just want to know what stats they're using because they took a guy who has not won all season long on the Pro Tour and they're like, yep, he has the best chance of winning. The guy who hasn't won yet has the best chance of winning. It doesn't make a lot of sense. That doesn't make He has a 17% chance. Ricky and Paul have 16% and then C-Dick has 12. How are you not going to take a guy like Rick who won or came second last year at this event and just won the last one? Or Paul, a guy who has won this, what, three times? Three times, yeah. Like... 
what are we? Why would you like? And it, and here's the, the only thing that could even explain that pick is like Matteo is due for a win, but that's not a statistic. No, it's <laughs> there's not. no there's no statistic that's like oh a guy is due for a win. This sounds like somebody was like okay, well if you look at anything, this really makes sense that Matteo would win this. Event. I think I using, that's fine. I don't think anyone's looking at this. Number. I think it's just data, baby. It's data. But, but yeah, but I don't know. I don't understand how looking at. I don't know how you, you can can't argue that. common that's, core math. That's what I'm dude. saying. Like, how could the data? How could the <laughs> data the see math? that a guy who has had a zero percent win rate this year and say he has the the best chance of winning? That that's the part. What math shows. I want to know what their math is. We'll just have to see after the tournament's over. Matteo's champion, man. On FPO, we have Chris and Tar with a six. Oh, I thought you were still on MPO, and I was like, winning. I was like, what is that top three percentage for Matteo? <laughs> top three for Matteo is a forty three percent chance. That's that's fine. Fifty nine percent chance top five. Eighty one percent chance. He, top I don't have a problem with that. It's maybe maybe the what's happening is his top five and top three percentage is so good that it's directly translating to think, oh, he has a good chance of winning because he's so consistently in the top five and, and that's top three. a good point. But that is why that actually makes a lot of sense. But that the problem is that's why sports can't always just be explained by numbers because winning sometimes say what you just said again. That's Sports can't always be explained by numbers. No, no, no about how winning, being in the top three, why so, does it make sense? Matteo has it probably has a very high probability to come top three and top five because he has this year. Yeah, okay. So that's probably why the system is like, oh, well, then in that case, gotcha. he probably has a good chance of winning because maybe, maybe his consistency in those spots has made it seem like he's gonna. Yeah, because like think about it, if he has since Idlewild, he's went sixth, fifth, seventh, third, fourth, second. So yeah, so like that. But the problem is, like I was saying. The numbers like winning time is different. And like Matteo has not proven himself to be a guy who is going to get himself into play in the fourth <laughs> round or whatever, the final round, and then win. He First place is very different yeah, than second ex- or third exactly, place. Exactly. Exactly. First this weekend, it's baby. a different thing. And and I'm not roll tied. Matteo, like I love Matteo, <laughs> and I think that he is probably due for a win. I've I've stuck by the Matteo can't win take all year, and I've gotten this far. So I'm gonna stay with it. Matteo can't win. My deepest not heart desire win. is for him to win. I He's want him to win, win really. On badly. FPO, we have Kristen Tatar with a 61 percent chance at winning. Accurate. Kind of low. I maybe make it higher. Yeah. Uh, kind of low. Uh, Paige Pierce nine percent chance. Kind of high. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Katrina Allen seven percent chance. Owen Scoggins six. Uh, Kristen. I mean, at this point, when Kristen walks onto a course, it's like her tournament to lose. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Actually, let me look. Surprisingly far down here is Henna Blomers at only four percent. Because Henna's been kind of on one recently, but uh, basically it's Kristen. They might, it's as well Kristen. Make, they might as well give Kristen an eighty percent chance to win. Yeah, it's yeah. Kristen's. I just said. I think I just said that Kristen's percentage. Yeah, Dang, it's basically Kristen until I die. You know what I'm saying? Uh, points going into this tournament. Remember, it's one and a half really, points for it's playoffs. It's gonna really mess us up if she loses. We're just gonna be like, what do we even do? What do we uh, Trevor has bet. Five points that there's no aces. That's gonna be wild if nobody aces whole eight. <laughs> That's definitely not happening. But you know what? I put myself out there. Uh, going into this, one point five points for playoffs. I have one hundred thirty six point five points. Connor has ninety five. Trevor has eighty nine. I love how I got finally got close, like within striking distance, and I was like, ah, let's make a dumb bet. <laughs> yeah. Stupid hey, bet. it could happen. Could happen. I mean, like I said, and that I, would bring you within one. I think there was only a few last year, so like. Whatever. Oh, might, speaking of aces, happen. we gotta talk through this really quick. Have y'all seen this million dollar shot thing? Oh yeah, so you, you would bring that up. Yeah. What is so that? basically, uh, this roofing company, um, I believe someone said that they they basically how it works is they're gonna have eight men and eight women, okay. eight men on Thursday, eight women on Friday. Uh, immediately following the round, the live broadcast is gonna continue. 
with this million dollar shot. And the eight men are going to go to hole one's tee, and there's going to be a basket 600 feet down there. So it's downhill, okay. 600 feet away. If anyone aces it, they get a million dollars. And then FPO is <laughs> 450 awesome. feet three tries down each, there. Right? They have three tries each. FPO is 450 down there. If anyone aces that, a million dollars. FPO might have a better shot. I would That's say so. Electric. Uh, so basically Jesus, how it works is... Something going to spit out dead center. And this is how it works in golf too, I believe, is like this roofing company basically goes to an insurance agency, mm-hmm. pays the insurance agency a certain amount. I heard... On, I think someone said at the beginning of the year, Steve Dodge was on Smashbox or some uh, podcast and said that it was like $10,000 for the policy. I don't know if it was $10,000 for MPO and FPO or $10,000 total that this company paid. That's, that is so cheap. And basically the insurance, it's basically like they're betting with the insurance company where the insurance yeah. company's like, I'll take your 10000 and if someone hits know, it, we'll pay them a million dollars. I know that like typically, wow. so typically golf courses, like even like for like local tournaments, you'll see them throw a car behind um and what they'll do is they'll say, hey, as the car dealership, or sometimes they'll pay it out of pocket, but a lot of times they'll be like, hey, as the car dealership, you guys pay for the insurance policy and we'll let you park your, put your dealership sign in front of this nice car behind this hole. And cars are like reasonably affordable because, you know, you can put like a $30,000, $40,000 car, a golf hole in one, if you pick the right par three, just not happening. Like really, really yeah. low odds. This one, if they really only had to pay ten k for a million dollar payout, like I know the shot that's is improbable. We're talking about a million dollars. I don't think the yeah, shot's nearly crazy. as improbable as that's what I'm saying. I, think, I don't know I think, what they hustled them. I think the insurance agency might have been duped a little bit because they said they, they just said they were playing golf. Well, if you go six, if you go 600 feet flat ground, sure, not happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure, no, no way. But hole one, that's probably going to play like 400 some for the MPO, and 450, that's probably going to play around 300 feet for FPO. It'll play a little further. But, but maybe still, I, like, well, that's a pretty big downhill and a million yeah. dollars. That exactly. is, that's a, that's, that's a lot crazy. of crazy. Uh, there, there was fan voting. Uh, I saw Simon share. It told us who was already in. And then um, you could vote to see who could get in. Let me pull. You so, can't see the poll results, but I can pull this up. Here's the question. Uh, let's Simon. say let's say we had uh, we were looking at a throw in our, and we were looking at the FPO throw. So like we can get it there. Yeah. Um, a pump, but like it's yeah. very doable. Um, and each, each throw, each throw costs a hundred dollars. Are you taking it? <laughs> I told Brody. Brody asked me this question. He oh said, gosh. "He said from four fifty, how much are you paying to be in the event for a chance at a million dollars?" And I said, oh. uh, "He said like, what's the most that you would so consider?" So you get three tries. You get three tries. He said, "What's the most you would consider?" And I said, "A thousand bucks was the most I'd consider." Definitely not a thousand bucks for me. I would. Yeah. Brody said like five hundred for him. But he was thinking the six hundred foot for him. I mean, it'd be like a hundred bucks. Well, because four fifty, it's downhill, three hundred foot shot, and I have a chance of a million dollars. I think I would try it one time because if it's going to go in, no, you, you pay for the three tra- three chances though. Oh, for three chances, I would like probably you're paying pay, to be in the FPO event. You're I would paying pay to be throwing four, maybe like one fifty to two hundred bucks because yeah, it would be like I'm if like, it's going to happen, then it's just going to it's just magic, <laughs> like it's it's fate. So the men <laughs> who are point. already in, they use this U disc. Precise power index, which is that actually up yet? Is um, that stat up? Let's just go to a player stat. Because I'd be curious to see how this works. The idea behind the stat is it measures how well people throw with power and accuracy combined. Precise power index. Paul is twelfth. Oh, I've got to know who's like the um, best in the precise. How do we see this index. thing? How is Paul in twelfth? It must be something. Well, we can go based on. I guess he kind of sprays. Men, we have Albert year. Tam, Calvin Heimberg, Jake Ebenheimer, Ricky Wysocki, Kyle Klein, and Anthony Barella are in. 
women we have Natalie Ryan, Paige Pierce, Hannah Blomers, Evelina Solonen, Chris Natar, and Emily Beach already in. I'll tell you this for free. AB's about to be a millionaire, dude. He's going to be throwing a putter. <laughs> How do you go? Can I go to like, oh, I can just go stats here and then sort by um, PPI. There it is. So the top PPI is Albert Tam. So it's a broken statistic. It's definitely a broken statistic. I don't really, I don't, I, do they have but an explanation? If Albert Tam and well, no, Jake, Jake Ebenheimer is third in the world in this PPI. Makes no sense. That doesn't make any sense. You're taking if this if this is truly supposed to measure who throws far with accuracy, like how how's you, Drew Gibson so far down? Yeah, how are you gonna have Garrett Gurthy's way down? There? Like what? Brody Smith's way down there. That's, I, mean, I wonder seems, if Jake Ebenheimer only played like one event. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what are the limitations on the stat? Because it it seems a little broken. Now, no, he's, he's played, played a, a bunch. Lot. He actually had a decent season. I mean, he's 42nd in tour ranking, so semi. Maybe I'd and he's, and How he's, bad has his putting been? That's the question. That his we need putting... To be is it really bad? Circle one putting, 75%. Okay, so it is really bad. So it's maybe bad. Okay, what is Albert Tams? Is his bad too? 73%. Okay, never mind. Then maybe the stat does probably have some legitimateness. Well, then, but let's see what Jake's putting. Circle one in regulations, 42%. He's up there with the other people. Okay, so maybe it's not quite broken. It's just like It just shows how important putting is. Maybe. Yeah, he's only 19% circle two. Okay, okay. Jake, I, is Jake, is he the guy that uh, cornhole putts? Yes. Oh, well, no wonder. I can guys look how put, far put up Silas Schultz is. <laughs> this is where you could be. You could be third in the world right now if your putting was okay. All right, so <laughs> I, I'm I get it. I can get behind it a little more because it's just uh, some bad putters. Silas are Schultz, man, sixty-one percent circle one X putting. Not a good putter. Come on, dude. But no, that's actually a great thing for him because he's playing that's really true. good disc golf. So that means he's got huge ceiling. That's true. That's true. That's, Get it together, man. That's why is he like? I'd be curious to know, like, of the guys that are like top fifty in the world, which of them are the worst putters? Silas Schultz by far. One, two, three, is four, he, he's fifth. Not top he's 50 the, in the world. Is he? I don't know. I think he's like seventy something. He's world. the sixth. Yeah, you're right. He's the sixth worst putter on tour. And he's and he's, and he's, he's I think he's, he's like seventy second in the world. And wow. he's qualified for USDGC. So that's. I'll scroll down a little bit. Those are the guys you got to keep an eye on. The guys that suck at putting because putting. I just takes assumed he was a good putter because of how many of like his like reels that I see him <laughs> putting. <laughs> putting takes like a, a little bit of skill for a pro. Like they're they're all pretty skillful at uh-huh. throwing a disc. It just takes all mental games, so they can make it click, man. Yep. I'm trying to find like we're getting to more notable Where's names. Where's Brody at on this list? Did you pass him? Certainly not. He's what if we he's started like a segment where we incentivize Ezra? Pros. I think Ezra Chandler Kramer, they're at 76% C1X putting. That's probably like the worst of the top players. What if we started like a segment where we in, we find a way to get in touch with and incentivize pros? So, like, so if this would be perfect, perfect for Silas Schultz, we're just like, hey man, like you get that putting percentage for MVP at 80% C1X, then we'll send you blank <laughs> like that would just be really funny if we we'll send you had a twenty dollars like we'll give you a million dollars no like row. it's not money like we're gonna send him an object <laughs> i don't i don't know what I'm you could following. possibly send someone are we I, sending him a car he already won a car no playing i'm disc just golf. i'm just thinking that i just think it'd be funny. 20 percent is it like they already want to increase their putting so it had to be something they really want so we'd have to spend a lot of money i i I mean, obviously, their incentive isn't only that. Their incentive is playing good disc golf. But like, it, but I'm saying just, that isn't. That I'm just thinking about somebody who would. I'm just thinking about somebody who would like be willing to play along with someone like that, like Silas Schultz, where he was like he was goofy like that. Where we'd be like, dude, we'll send you, we'll make you a T-shirt that says whatever you want or something. I just it was funny in my head. 
I don't want to talk to you guys anymore. Let's do some predictions here. Uh, MPO, I'm going with stats, baby. I'm riding with you this till I die. Matteo wins this thing. Ricky second, Paul third. Can't argue with data. Connor, I like the suspense of going last. Edit. Hunter's picks don't matter to me. Um, I picked uh, Chris, Ricky, Paul. Chris first? Yep. That's not not great, but actually kind of good. Because I have Calvin in first, then Ricky and Paul. That's interesting. So we, can't, we can only split on... Because Chris came 10th at that. Or no, I think he was worse than 10th. I think he was like 17th at MVP last year. Did Paul not, came 12th at MVP last year. Yes, but he's won it three times. I'm just that's, that's I'm saying if we're going on last year. I was just no. I'm just I'm just saying like I was I was and Chris like I don't know. I'm not Calvin. Calvin. I'll, I, I, I'll, Chris I'll side, Calvin is I'll due. side with Connor here. Seems like a tournament. Chris is going to do very well. It, it did to me too. And then I saw how bad he played there last year, and I was like, hmm. He's better this year than he was last year. Have you looked at his historical like um, farther back? I disagree. I think he was better last year. No, he's way better. Um, FPO Connor. Um, I have the obvious pick of Kristen for first place, and then I have Own and then Henna. Okay, so same we have we have the same situation here because I have Kristen, Evelina, Henna. So we have okay. we have two different spots on our MPO and FPO, but that could be a that could be a big shift. I couldn't roll with the stats here because Paige and Cat broke my heart last week. So yeah. even though the stats tells me they have the best shot, knocked them out. I hope they prove me wrong. I'm going Christy, Kristen, Christy. Kristen Tatar, Christy Missy Tatar. Gannon second, Henna Blomroos third. So we all have Kristen and Henna bookmarked, and then someone in between. Yeah, I went Missy. Missy, I feel like has been. We almost, you almost had Silas is busting up over there. We almost something. had a very similar thing. If you would have had Paul in second, then we would have had like the same situation going where we had one different slot for each of our. No, y'all, because we had, we all have Ricky Paul, second, third. Oh, do you want Paul? Yeah, second? so we literally all have the same exact thing with like one person, one person different. On each one. And you know what's going to happen? Matteo is going to win. I hope he Cal does. Win. Dark I horse picks. Hope that Matteo wins. Dark horse picks. I'm going with the guy that got me here in the first place, riding with him on the last Pro Tour event, Mr. Austin Hannum. He's the reason I am up by so much. Yeah, you'll make a crazy bet. No. I've got Gavin Babcock. I tried making a crazy bet really, earlier, and y'all wouldn't do it. I really need Gavin Babcock to come through for me here because the Dark Horse pick is very important this week. I've got Matt Bell. They might all get cut. So Connor's got Matt Bell, and you said who again, Trevor? Gavin Babcock. I need to see Gavin Babcock that showed up at Worlds and like was like in it. That's what I need. Gavin Babcock. All right, well, there you have it. That is the MVP open preview with a bunch of different rants thrown in there to where we only talked about MVP for probably 10 minutes to the 45. That's how we do it here at Grip Lock. That's how we call it Grip Lock, you know? You never know where the shot's going to end up when you Grip Lock it, and you never know where the show's going to end up right. when you start it. Uh, <laughs> that's that, that's, that's all right. Uh, so you can watch the MVP open live on the Disc Golf Network. That's where we'll be watching it. You can watch it on Joe Mez, Gatekeeper, GK Pro. I'm sure other people will be out there. You disc live. Going to be a lot of. I don't think Sun King's (laughs) out there. Going to be a lot of different. uh, We're sending sending Connor out there. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Connor's going to be doing seventh card coverage. Yeah. Um, Shooting all with GoPros. All with GoPros. It's going to be electric. No, that's not true. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, be sure to check out foundationdisc.com, our recently restocked collection, and the vintage collection coming this weekend alongside the brand new Athena. You're not going to want to miss out. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye.